All right, all right, family. Well, I feel like I, I feel like I, I want to start this this message with a bit of conf- confession, a confessional of some sorts. I, I, I know that maybe I haven't met all of you or, or, or know you or whatever. Maybe you're just tuning in and you're like, I'm going to see what this church is like. Well, I thought I would just lay some cards on the table and start with this rather personal, mortifying confession. Uh, in high school, yeah, in high school, I was on the wrestling team. And, and actually, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. I, I was actually the captain of the wrestling team, and, and I'm kind of mortified about this now. Maybe, maybe you're like, what's the big deal? Well, it's not cool where I'm from. <laughs> and so, and so I, I, I'm mortified about it. I, I thought I would start maybe with some, some pictures from the high school wrestling. No. We're not showing any pictures from high school. Those yearbooks are hidden away, and that is for your benefit as well as mine. Anyways, no matter how much I try and forget about this the, being in high school wrestling, in fact, my daughter on the way home this morning, she was, she was like, I, Dad, you never talk about this. You're right, I don't talk about this. I, I try to pretend like it, it never happened, but for however much I try and ignore it, that, that this happened, uh, I learned a lot of very helpful, practical life lessons during, during those years when I was in wrestling. And I learned about the power of perseverance, for example. Power of perseverance. You know, you start off, unless you're like 98 pounds, when you start off in wrestling, you tend to get thrashed. And, and I did not start out at 98 pounds, and I got thrashed. And so for several years, you're just getting, getting thrashed and thrashed. It hurts, and, and it's, it's a struggle. But then over the years, um, the, the older people get you know, move on, and, and you start to become one of the older people. You start to get, be stronger than the rest and, and more experienced than the rest, and then, and then finally you get to do the thrashing, and, and it pays off. Um, but, but I learned the lesson of, of persevering in the, in the awful years, in the awful years, and, and how that's, that lesson's kind of stuck with me for life, that, that it can get better. Just keep going, keep going, keep persevering. Another thing that I learned in wrestling time was connected to uh, strategy, endurance, connected to this idea of grip, G-R-I-P, grip, grip. A, a high school wrestling match is six minutes long. Six minutes, and it's, it's, it just feels brutal. It's, it's, it, it's exhausting. During those six minutes, every bit of your, your mental energies, your strategic energies are focused on trying to figure out what are they trying to do? What are they trying to trick you with? What, are you, what am I trying to do? What am I trying to trick them with? And how, and how is this all kind of working together? And can I do this? Or can, and it's, it's such a, a mental battle. And then every muscle in your body is like straining to force and oh, it's so intense. It's so intense. And, and, and if you can't give up. You can't let up for even a moment or, or something bad and Painful even could, could, could happen. Uh, so you, you got to keep going. You can't run out of energy. You just got to stay with it. So six minutes. It's a long time for this kind of intensity. And, and so when, when you're wrestling, when you're wrestling, you've got to figure out the, the, the right uses of your energy and then where to, where to kind of conserve energy str- strategically. Where's the, so because you can't run out of it. Once you run out of it, you're gone. Once you run out of it, you're gone. So it's in this context we, we learn some strategic lessons. For instance, the one connected to grip. Did you know that you can hold on just as tightly, like say to a wrist here, with your, just one, your finger, your middle finger, let's say, and your thumb. 
just like that, like as a ring. You can grip onto someone's wrist just as tightly with basically two fingers, as opposed to needing all your whole hand. The natural tendency is to take your whole hand, wrap it around this, and just and squeeze. The amount of energy that that takes is vastly more than just two fingers. And, and, and you can save so much energy. Now, it seems like a small thing, but it's big during the, that six minutes of, of intensity. And, and, I, and I just remember learning these, these lessons, like, like about grip, and, and how, you know, we need to hold on. We need to hold on sometimes. We need to hold on in these days, but we, we mustn't waste our energy by over-gripping, by gripping much more intensely than, than the situation demands. Uh, if we grab on too tightly to life as we want it to be, we're going to run out of energy before this is over. We got to think about how to hold on and how much energy to rightly use towards, towards holding on and how much we don't actually need to use. I think some of us are worn out, that we're just worn out these days, worn out from trying to hold on to life as we want it to be too tightly. Is that you? Is that you? Spending all your energy trying to, to hold on and, 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 and make things how you want them to be. One of the secrets of living with peace one of the secrets of living with peace, especially in really difficult times, when, 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 it's, when it's all we can do is, is try and hold on as best as we can, is to learn how to hold on, but not hold on so tightly that we burn out too soon. Hold on, but not oh, spending too much effort and energy, not burning out our energies. Stress and worry is, is needlessly exhausting. Is the, you know, I, I can do, the, you know, Sunday's kind of a big day. You know, I teach four different times or whatever. And, and I've, I've told myself from the very beginning, I am not going to moan or complain about the joy of teaching all these times on a Sunday. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I could just record this once and, and just let it run on Sundays and, and uh, you know, chat in on the chat. Hey, everybody, glad you're here. Wow, that's an interesting point Brian just made. You know, I, I could do that uh, and join, and maybe I'd sooner dim um, Brian, maybe, or something like that. But, but instead, it's a value to me to be here live, to be teaching in person, like every time, all throughout the day, uh, all throughout the day. And, and why, do, why do I want to do that? Well, I want to do this because I, I value this. I value being in person. Uh, but one of the secrets is, uh, of life is to know like where to spend the efforts. And if I, if I think about the day and think, oh, I'm going to be so exhausted by the end. Or am I going to have enough energy to get through? And I start moaning about it or I start complaining about it or I start having this, a bad attitude or stressing and worrying. Will I have enough? I didn't sleep very well the night before. How, am I going to have enough for the day? Then I am going to completely uh, deplete my energies uh, needlessly because of stress and worry and, and complaining and moaning and all that kind of stuff. Where I can live through the same day with more energy and more happiness by just not overly stressed about all, all that sort of stuff. We can waste so much energy. Today we're going to talk about biblical surrender. We're going to talk about biblical surrender. And what I want you to know about biblical surrender is it isn't just about letting go. You know, like, I surrender. I surrender. I give up. I surrender. Um, Biblical surrender is about knowing what to hold on to, what not to hold on to, and, and how tightly to hold on to things. I think some of you are just exhausted because you're just holding on to things too tightly this season. 
And maybe some of those things you need to let go of, or maybe some of those things you just need to shift how much, how intense your grip is on, on this or that. As we go through talking about biblical surrender right now, we're going to talk about three things. And ultimately, basically what they are is what kinds of things to grab onto, what kinds of things to let go of, and how to hold on for as long as it takes by changing the way we grip, we grab onto things. So in case you're new here or are visiting or just kind of checking in online, um, we are in a study about peace. We're in a study about peace. And Specifically, what we're wanting to accomplish in this study is seeing the amount of peace that we actually feel, like genuinely feel, not making this up, the amount of peace that we feel on the inside go way up, and worries and fears and stresses and anxieties go way down. I want you to experience so much more genuine, real, felt peace in your life instead of just stresses and anxieties. And I know this season is really challenging. I, I know that it has its, its, its uncertainties, but what we're learning in this season is how. We're learning how to live with peace, even when life isn't how we wish it would be, even when it's awful how to live with peace. So we've been going through these different studies, and, and the first study, which was the most important, it is a foundation for living with peace, was, was about believing and trusting in God. In fact, we've entitled this, in, this series, Unlocking Peace, and I've referred to each of these things as keys. And so the first key was believing and, and trusting God. The second key was um, the contentment. The third key was forgiving the fourth key was submission. The fifth key was walking with God. And now our final message for this series is about surrender. It's about surrender. What I've been calling biblical surrender. Now as a wrap-up message, we're going we're gonna to touch on some things lightly that we've, we've hit throughout this series because there's some things I just want to make sure that we, we grasp before we move on to Pentecost Sunday next Sunday. One of my favorite Sundays of the year, celebrating the birth of the church and, and, and the Holy Spirit uh, coming in and moving into the lives of believers permanently and, and powerfully. I'm excited about that next week. But before we move on, we're going to talk about this biblical surrender. Usually in this series, I've had a picture I've had a picture for, for each, each theme, but today, I, I'm all, it's, it's all just for fun. We're going to have three pictures. We're going to have three pictures, one for each point today. And so let's look at the first picture. The first picture here, what you're looking at is some olive trees, some old olive trees, and it's, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is, this is where, in this general area, Jesus is there praying for a couple hours uh, before he's arrested, the night before he's arrested. He's going to be crucified in maybe less than 12 hours' time, but he's down here in the garden where he's going to be arrested, and he's praying and he's pleading with God. You can see up there the, the old walls of Jerusalem, not the same old walls that would have been there in Jesus' day, but the old walls of Jerusalem. Maybe you can see the Dome of the Rock just slightly through the trees there. Solomon's temple would have stood at least twice the height of that. But Jesus is there, and, and he's pleading with God, and he's wrestling with God in prayer. He's got sweat, drops of blood coming down his forehead, pleading with God. God, is, if there's any other way, just the intensity and the agony of this wrestling with God, if there's any other way, and yet not my will, but yours be done. God, if there's any other way, but not my will, but yours be done. 
You know, I, w- I would come down here to this garden and, and pray when I was in Jerusalem that month. And I would, I, when I wanted to plead with God about something or, or really just really wrestle with God about something, I would, I would walk down here. It was a pretty long ways from where I was staying, but I felt like it was worth it. Because to me, this place is a, is a place of, of wrestling with God, but in right surrender, in biblical surrender. Again, surrendering isn't, isn't just letting go. It's not like just God whatever. Look at Jesus as the example of biblical surrender, but wrestling with God in prayer. You know, it, it's not passive surrender. It's not apathetic. It is, it's passionate. It's active. It's active. It's pleading with God, but with the right amount of grip. In fact, that's, that's the kind of first point here when it comes to biblical surrender. Biblical surrender is wrestling with God, with the right amount of grip, with the right amount of intensity, with the right amount of, of, of effort holding on to things that matter to us. The right amount. Jesus is like, Father, this is what I want. Father, this is what I want. I, I sweat, blood drops, anguish, not at all looking forward to the rejection, the torture, the, the, the crucifixion in the hours ahead. Hours wrestling with God if there's any other way. But Jesus also knows the perfect amount of grip, how to bring all his passion and yet have the right amount of grip saying, this is what I'm asking for, but not my will, but yours be done. Plead with God in prayer. Plead with God in prayer for things that are important to you, but as, as you pray and plead, make sure that you're not grabbing on to those things so tightly that you're exhausting yourself in the weight, but you, you grab firmly, but also with the right amount. This at, with a surrendered amount as you're pleading with God as passionately for, for what you're pleading with Him for. Okay, so that's number one, the first thing about biblical surrender. The second thing about biblical surrender is biblical surrender is saying no to all God's no's. To saying no to all the things that God says no about. So for the second picture for today, we're going to be looking at, at this scene. And this scene is what I call, not what I call, <laughs> this is the wilderness of Judah. This is the wilderness of Judah, and it's the area kind of between, roughly between Jerusalem and the Jordan River. Uh, Jericho is on, on the far side of this wilderness. Actually, I'm standing in the middle of it, so where I'm taking this picture, so Jericho would be to the right of the picture, Jerusalem would be kind of to the left of the picture. And so, but this is that area, and what's significant about this area to me is this is the setting of the temptation of Jesus. So when I look at this scene, I'm thinking about Jesus uh, being tempted by the devil, uh, but him resisting and saying no to the things that God says no about right here in this setting. He'd been down at the Jordan River, he'd been baptized, and then the Holy Spirit brings him up here to the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil. In fact, let me just read that for us in in Matthew chapter 4. It says, so he'd just been baptized down at the Jordan. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Again, I'm struck, those prepositional phrases in there have so much uh, meaty stuff to them. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Makes sense. Then the tempter, then, then, when he was weak and hungry, then the tempter approached him and said, If 
If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, quoting Deuteronomy, maybe Deuteronomy chapter 8. And then it goes on, and it goes on with, with more and more temptations, uh, a couple more temptations after that. Now we've talked about temptations at, at different points in this series uh, as well, but I'm just going to say it again. There is no peace with God, which is what we're aiming for, peace. There's no peace with God when we're fighting against God. It's okay to wrestle with God, but it's not okay to fight against Him. And the difference between wrestling with God and fighting with Him is wrestling is pleading with God, but with the right amount of grip. We fight against God when we actively choose to not do what God wants us to do. When we resist, when we say, no, we will not be on your page, God. Some of the most simple directions from, from God are, are when he talks about what he wants us to say no to. What, what he wants us to say no to. God's pretty clear on what sin is. Clear enough, the bi biblical surrender is when, when we surrender what, what is going to be right and wrong for us to whatever God says is right and wrong. You know, we all have this sense of, okay, is this going to be right for me? Is this going to be wrong for me? Is it okay for me to do this or is it not okay for me to do this? Biblical surrender is when we say, I'm not going to make that choice anymore. Everything that God says is right for me is going to be right for me. Everything that God says is going to be wrong for me is going to be wrong for me. We want to decide what that is, but we surrender that to God. Things like God says, don't covet. He says, don't covet. In fact, he wrote that with his finger on a tablet of stone on the Ten Commandments. He got down to, to number 10 and he's like, okay, I've got one more left. What of all the things that I could possibly write, what is it going to be? Do not covet. Do not covet. And yet, man, coveting is, is running wild in our generation. God says, don't do it. And, you know, if, if you're struggling with coveting, if, if people have things that you want. I mean, I talked about this on a few messages ago. I think the second message about contentment, but like if you're struggling with coveting, this is a big deal. And I encourage you to, to say no to that. And, and if, you're, if, if Instagram or whatever is getting in your way, uh, causing you to, to be coveting what, what you don't have but what other people have, then, then do what it takes to, to walk away from that. God says don't covet. He says don't take revenge. He says, uh, he says don't marry unbelievers. You know, so my personal policy when it comes to officiating weddings, uh, which, you know, I love weddings and I'm excited for that to start back up again, but I, I will happily marry someone who believes in Jesus to somebody who believes in Jesus. I'm happy to marry someone who doesn't believe in Jesus to somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. But what I, I don't feel comfortable doing and, and I've decided not to do is marry someone who believes in Jesus to somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. And they're both clear on that because the Bible says no. The Bible says no to that, and I don't want to be a part of that. I can't be a part of that with a clear conscience. So the Bible also says a lot of things. It says don't have sex with people you're not married to. It says don't cultivate lust in your heart, like with pornography. It says don't be greedy, don't gossip, don't slander, don't speak badly about people. I'm not saying that this is easy stuff to avoid, but I'm saying it's clear. <laughs> it's simply written and articulated in the Bible. God's been clear about the things that he wants us to say no to. If you want to have peace in your life, and I know you do. If you want to have peace in your life, you need to surrender control over what is right and wrong for you. You need to hand that over to God and say, God, I surrender. I surrender what I think is okay or not okay to you and your Bible. All the things that you say are wrong 
and all the things that you say you want me to say no to, I will agree with you and say no to those. Please be gracious to me as I get it wrong. Be gracious, forgive me as your word promises, but I'm going to choose to be a person who surrenders and lets the things that you say no to be the things that I say no to. I suppose my question is, are you gripping too tightly onto things that God has said no to? Is God, has God told you to let go of something and you're just gripping onto it with all your might because you don't want to say no to that thing that God's telling you to say no to? Are you gripping too tightly onto that? There's no peace when you're fighting with God by doing those things that God says no to. The path to peace, the path to peace comes to those who surrender their behavior to God, seeking to live in obedience just as Jesus did in the wilderness and just as he did in Gethsemane. Okay, so that's number two. Biblical surrender is saying no to all God's no's. Thirdly, and finally, biblical surrender is saying yes to all God's leadings. Yes, to all God's leadings. Now, we could have used, again, the first picture of the Garden of Gethsemane for this as well, where at the end of the day, Jesus says yes to God's path, no matter what it included. But I thought just for fun, we would come up with a third picture. And how about this one here? How about this picture here? So what we're looking at on this picture is the shore of the Sea of Galilee, the most likely location by far where Jesus called his disciples, Peter, uh, Andrew, James, and John, those fishermen, to be his disciples, to come and follow him. This is by far the most likely location where, where this took place. Now, um, maybe you're thinking, okay, and, and I, I tend to I tend to ask the question, like, how in the world would, when the shore of the Sea of Galilee is so big, how would we think, why would we think this location is the actual location? Um, that's a good question, but actually there's a very simple answer to this. There's a very simple answer to this, and I'll, I'll show you the answer and why this is the right spot. Because uh, if you're reading the story in Matthew chapter 4 or Mark chapter 1, it, the way that it reads, it could take place anywhere on this lake. But there's a detail in Luke chapter 5 that places the calling of the disciples to right here at this location. Let me, let me read it here from Luke chapter 5. And then we'll reference this story again in a moment. It says this, As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. All right, Gennesaret. Uh, this is the same, the Sea of Galilee has lots of names. This is, it's the Sea of Galilee, same place. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, who maybe you're more familiar with as Peter. Simon, Peter, Peter. This is, this is the Peter. One of the boats which belonged to Simon, Peter, and asked him to put out a little bit, a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, or Peter, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. <laughs> Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the, 
uh, to catch a fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Okay, first the extra detail here that, that in, in, we see in Luke. Okay, so in Luke, we're looking at the picture here. We're looking at the picture, and it starts with the fishermen washing their nets. That's the picture that we're seeing here. Now, I guess I've always pictured it, I guess, how I see it drawn in the kids' Bibles, right? Maybe like nets kind of thrown out on the water near the shore and kind of maybe wiggle them around. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to wash nets. I kind of wiggle them in the water and, and I don't know, <laughs> so, something like that, you know, just washing the nets. Uh, yeah, well, actually, interesting enough, right behind me where I'm taking this picture, probably just, I don't know, seven feet behind me from where this picture is being taken is, a nat- is the only natural net washing station on the, lake, uh, on, the, on the lake, on the Sea of Galilee here. It's the only net washing station. There is a three meter or so, a three meter waterfall right behind me. The only one on the shoreline. And at this place, the fishermen would come and they would bring out their nets and they would just, they wash them off in this, in the waterfall. I mean, the waterfall is just the right intensity for, for net washing and, and, and all this kind of stuff. So, so this, this picture here is is where the, the location where the net washing station was. And you can kind of picture the environment. The fishermen had been out all night. They came to the net washing station. There's a lot of crowds here because a lot of activity as the fishermen are coming in and the, those who are gathering the fish. Oh, there's no fish, so let's listen to Jesus talk. Um, and, and so there's, you got this whole thing going on. Now, there's a lot of green here. That wouldn't have been there at the time. I mean, that, that would have just been land where boats would have been coming in and out and, and lots of fishing boats here on the lake. So you've got Jesus teaching on the, on, the sh- on the shore, the crowds pressing in for this post-fishing moment. And so then Jesus getting into Simon Peter's boat. And at that moment, you know, Peter says yes to Jesus. He says his first yes to Jesus, and he kind of pulls the boat, you know, he's going to serve Jesus, he's going to pull the boat out into the water a bit, and, and Jesus is going to sit down and teach, and Peter's, I guess, going to kind of just make sure the boat's facing the right way or whatever. So, so there's that moment there. And then, uh, after, after teaching, he tells Simon Peter to go out into the water, into the deep water, actually, and, and, and to let down his nets for another catch. Now, Peter is like, okay, I've been up all night. And he pushes back at this moment, remember? He pushes back. He's like, I, I, I've been up at night. We didn't catch anything. And, you know, the, the thinking is, if you didn't catch anything at the right time to catch fish, you're not going to catch fish at the wrong time, Right? And, and plus, if he puts the nets in the water, he's going to have to take them back and wash them again before he's going to be able to go to bed. He's, he's been up all night. He's tired. But in his tiredness, and even though this is quite inconvenient, because Jesus says so, he does. He says yes to Jesus a second time that day, and he puts down the nets, and as a result, he catches heaps of fish. Too many fish, actually. Too many fish for his boat. Too many fish for, for the couple boats here. It's, it's miraculous. It's amazing. And then Peter has this freak-out moment, right? And kind of right out here. And, and then Jesus asks him or calls him to say yes a third time. And, and he calls G- Peter and, and these other disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, to now leave their, the life that they've known, leave their jobs, leave their, their time as a fisherman, and, and to spend the rest of their life following Jesus. 
following him wherever he wants him to go. I think in this story and in, in, in this setting here on the shore of the lake, right at this location, we see three ways that God, that, that God leads us and three, three ways that we can say yes to God's leadings. Three ways we can say yes to God's leadings as we see here with Peter. The first one is in simple sacrificial serving. You know, sure, you can use my boat. And in fact, I'll, I'll keep it steady for you. Now, it seems like a small thing, but, but let me remind you, even the small things that we do in life that are because of our belief in Jesus or the small things that we're gonna do, we do because we love Jesus and want to serve Jesus, that those, those will not go unrewarded. Even if you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, it, it's not going to go unrewarded. These days, maybe, maybe your, your, your zone, your world is pretty small, but even in the simple ways that we serve in our homes, that, we, that maybe we tidy up, that we do the dishes, just like serve, care, and love for one another uh, in, in the very small environments, the simple sacrificial serving, that's one way we say yes to Jesus. And maybe, maybe some of you are listening and, and you're like, yeah, the other one is pretty good. The other one in this relationship is pretty good at simple serving. I might not be as good at that. Consider this a nice, happy Pastor Brian Jesus nudge. And the other one who does the serving, you can thank me later. Anyway, so, so that's, that's the first one. Uh, three ways we see yes to God's leading. Simple, sacrificial serving. Secondly, acting on the leading of God even when it doesn't make sense. You know, you got, you got Peter. He's, he, he's, he's been fishing all night. And, and he's like, you know, like this, I've been fishing all night and we didn't catch anything. It didn't make sense to him. But guys, God, God leads us along paths that only he knows. God leads us on paths that only he knows to take us places that only he can take us to. And he can only take us there if we trust him. He can only take us to those paths if we will trust him and follow him and do what he says. He's, he's going to fill Peter's boat if Peter will just trust him. We say yes to God's leadings with, with willingness to follow Jesus, even when it seems a bit crazy. That's number two. Number three is this, redirecting your life to completely follow him. God calls you. He's calling out. He has a call out to the whole world right now. In fact, it's being broadcast so loudly, so loudly. Follow me. Believe in me. Trust me. Let your life now be directed to, to my ways. Your ways uh, are fragile. My ways are incredible. Follow me. Follow me. Give your life to following me. Which yes is Jesus asking of you today? Is he asking you to increase this or, or to be eyes open to some simple serving uh, in sacrificial ways, maybe? Having your eyes open to how you can love and serve the people in your life, maybe, maybe your neighbors, maybe people in your house during this time, this, this strange time? Is he asking you maybe to make some decisions? This is a time of, of, of different. This is a time where a lot of people are stepping out of their normal and reflecting. I would bet that some of you, God has been trying to redirect you, urging you to make some changes in your life for a, a long period of time, and you've been resisting them. But now all of a sudden you're here at this moment, and, and, and you're forced to be rethinking about your life in this moment, and you're like, okay, I have a decision to make as I re-engage, as, as the world opens back up again. When the world opens up, am I going to start walking on the path that I believe God has been calling me on, or am I going to resist that and continue on in the path that I've been on? Some of you, God has been trying to redirect 
And, and maybe you know it. And I encourage you to, to say yes, even if it doesn't quite fully make sense and you're not sure how it's all going to work out. If you think it's Jesus and you think as best you can that he's leading you in that way, I encourage you to say yes to Jesus. And then there's, there's some of you who are being called right now to make a drastic change in your life and to be all in for Jesus. And to choose, okay, henceforth you are going to follow him. That call has gone out to you. You've heard me say it. It's gone out to everyone in this planet. Follow me, says God. Follow me, says Jesus. And there's some of you here, and, and it's your time. It's that time. That call has gone out to you, and you need to respond by saying, yes, I will give my life now to follow Jesus. I will redirect my life to do whatever Jesus wants and, and to follow him for the rest of my life. Now, I've been using a word during, during this message in a few of the points, and I, and I haven't highlighted it, but I'm going to highlight it now because it's a big deal word. The word is all. All. In, in one of the points, I said it was about saying no to all God's no's. In one of the points, it was saying yes to all God's leadings. If you want peace, if you want peace, you don't get to pick and choose what you say yes to and what you say no to if you want peace. The path of peace is surrendering all. Like that, like that old hymn, like the old hymn that, that goes, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my precious Savior. I surrender all. All. Let's put up those three pictures again as we, we come to the end here. You, you've got the Garden of Gethsemane where we remember uh, Jesus wrestling with God in biblical surrender and prayer. We've got the wilderness where Jesus is, is saying no to all the things that God says no to. And you've got the shore of the Sea of Galilee where Peter is in three very different ways saying yes to Jesus' yeses, all three of them. And I have some questions for you con connected to those pictures, but one challenge. And this is the challenge. I challenge you today to surrender the things you need to surrender so that you can enjoy peace with God. I challenge you to surrender the things you need to surrender so that you can enjoy peace with God. Is there something you're gripping so tightly to where, like Jesus in the garden, you, you bring your request passionately to God, but also not gripping it so tightly that you have no peace? Not gripping it so tightly that you're unwilling to, to even consider letting it go. Is there something you're gripping too tightly and you need to shift your grip? You need to shift your grip. Is there something that you're you're not saying no to that you know God wants you to say no to it? Is there something that, you, that God is calling you surrender? To surrender even though it feels like essentially important to you? Maybe, maybe, maybe even an addiction or something that, you, that you're being called to, to walk away from? Is there something that you need to say no to and surrender to God? Maybe there, is there something that you need to say yes to 
say yes to. That God, you feel like, okay, God, God wants me to say yes to this. And as I've been talking today, it's been in your mind. And, and yet you're dragging your feet. You've been nudged by God and, and to do this thing for your neighbors or whatever. And you're resisting maybe. Maybe you're resisting making some life decisions because it just doesn't make sense. But you feel like God's nudging you. Or maybe you're resisting saying yes to Jesus by giving your life to him. The challenge today is surrender the things that you need to surrender so that you can enjoy peace with God. And that's what I want for you. I want everyone, everyone who is hearing this message now and in the future, I want you to have peace. I want you to have peace. I want you to not be afraid in these days. I want you to have calm in your heart. I don't want you to be anxious any longer. I want you to have peace. I want you to feel settled even though the world is, is in upheaval. And I really believe that, that these six messages can, call, about unlocking peace, I believe that if you apply them, if you apply them, and I'm not saying it's easy to apply them. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it because everybody wants peace. But if you do this, if you walk the hard road to apply these messages about peace, I know that you will have more calm. I know that you will experience very real felt peace. No matter how chaotic life is on the outside for you right now or how much upheaval you're going through, you can have peace today by trusting God. I think I want to wrap up this series with one very simple verse that helps me when, when, when I'm starting to feel a little bit unsettled by life, when I feel like things aren't how I want them to go. And the verse is this, David, David is writing to God, or, or he's he has a psalm that he's writing to God in Psalm 31.15. And in Psalm 31.15, David says this to God. He says, My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. The times that we're living on in right now, they might be crazy, but they're not out of control. The times that we're living in are, may be crazy, but they're not out of control. The, the times that we're living in are in the hands of God. Your times are in God's hands. My times are in God's hands. My today is in God's hands. What I want to do as we wrap up this series, I want you to truth type one more time for in this series. To type one more time in the chat right there, I want you to type, my times are in God's hands. Just type that. Just type that. If there's a couple of you listening to the same device, let everybody type in the truth. My times are in God's hands. My times are in God's hands. My times are in God's hands. The times and challenges that we're facing today, they are not out of control. They might be out of our control, but not out of the hands of God. They're in the hands of God. Come what may. Come what may. God has got us. God has got our situations. God has got our times in His hands. God's got you. He's got this situation. And when we grasp that, and when I grasp this, I feel the peace of God rising up, knowing that it's out of my control, but, it, but my times are in God's hands. And that's actually where I want them to be, and it's safe to trust Him.